can help us leave here with tonight, I want to present to you four points to purpose. Part of my learning experience the past few days have allowed me to see that that there's more. There's more to it than what I have been doing. There's more to this than what I even understand. And with that being said, many of us, all of us, are in different situations that we don't necessarily have control over. And what I mean by that is we have, we have jobs and we don't necessarily have control over some of the things that's required of us in our careers, in our jobs. And with that, there are times that we fail to see the purpose where we are. And my back hurts tonight because I failed to see the purpose in front of me. God literally had to put me in a place where I was face to face with purpose. I'll get into it a little bit here this evening. But I want, to, I want us to look at 1 Peter chapter 2, beginning in verse 1. I'm thankful tonight for God's lessons that he sends to us to get, to get us to see, to get us to open our eyes. He's patient and he waits for those moments that he can teach us something. Wherefore, laying aside or put away or cast off all malice or, or ill will, if you could call it that, or the desire to be injurious. And all deceit and hypocrisies and envies and all evil speakings or, or backbiting. And what, well, this one word here describes a defamation. By the way that Peter begins this chapter, they are, they are with words that admonish the reader to put away or cast off the behaviors of the old man. How many of you here tonight can testify that before God met you, you had malice in your heart? Before you were born again, you, you had hypocrisies and envies and evil speakings. These are all these characteristics of who we used to be. None of us started out perfect or, or even perfect now. 
There are people in churches all across our, our world, all across the globe, who have been living for God for a certain number of, of years, and, and still there's hypocrisy and envies and evil speakings. Peter wasn't necessarily just writing to new converts because at the time of the letter, some of the readers could have been in it for 30 years. So with that information that we have tonight, we are all learning how to lean on Jesus. We're learning what evil speakings sounds like and envies, hypocrisies. Sometimes we don't recognize these things. We don't see them in our character, but it, it takes a moment that the Lord teaches us for us for our eyes to be open to those things. These are, these are behaviors that we personally witness in a godless life. Right? As the old man, we are in a godless state. And so, the, many of the people that we work with are godless. And therefore, they have malice and guile, deceit. They have hypocrisies and envies. I know that there are many people who don't attend a church or a part of an assembly because they say that there are hypocrites. And I will be the first to tell you that there are hypocrites, but I have seen bigger hypocrites in the world. <laughs> I said this the other day on my job, that there are people that you work with that, that call you brother. And then they turn around and say, man, that guy ain't worth anything. That that's a characteristic of the old, old, the old man, the old nature. Now, they don't have a new nature, so they're still walking around in that old nature. They're, they're still walking around in that sinful state of their life. And so... These things are even in new believers... Because none of us start out recognizing those things, recognizing those characteristics. We have to see them in ourselves. God will allow us to see. If we're sensitive and we want this, God will let us see the contents of our heart. And he'll put us, he'll put us in a wilderness to see what's in our heart. Oh, you love for me where there's fire. You love me when the rain is falling. You love me when the bank is full. But what happens when there is famine? What happens when you have to rely on me for every little thing in your life? Do you get envious at what other people have? Begin speaking evil things. Well, look at them, Mr. Perfect, Miss Perfect. These are, these are behaviors that should not be part of the new man as he grows, 
as he grows. The only way for the new man to change his behaviors is to see the need to change. That's what we must see. We must be, we must be honest enough to, when God gives us, uh, teaches us a lesson that we take notice of it and say, yeah, I need to change some things in my life. I'm not there yet. I, I, I've made a mess and God, thank you for showing me my error. I, I'm going to work my hardest to correct it. And I need your help to let me, to let me accomplish this task. It's beyond my ability. But, but Paul writes to us and says that through the spirit, we can mortify the deeds of the body, the deeds of the flesh through, through his spirit. So we can't do it on our own. The new man must recognize the weight of his words and determine who he is representing. When I step on the job, I must uh, analyze my words to, to find out who it is I'm representing. We're talking about purpose. When I say man, I'm speaking about human. All of us, human. We must put these ways behind us and go on and learn how to live differently. And verse 2 says, As newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word that ye may grow thereby, if so be ye have tasted that the Lord is gracious. Newborn babes, they desire the milk. It is all they can ingest. And so the analogy is babies desire milk, so the new man must desire the word. How is my life going to be different? How am I going to walk away from, from what Peter started this chapter out with? It's going to be desiring the word of God to, to a point where it begins to do something in me. Without even knowing it, babies grow from that milk. As they get older, their body requires more to support the growth that is taking place. When the new man hungers for the word, every word he ingests begins to change his behaviors until there really is a new man. One who has a powerful testimony. Today I recognize that I have a powerful testimony, but you don't have to have my testimony for it to be powerful. Your testimony is powerful. And I want you to see that, and I believe God wants you to see your testimony is powerful. And people need to hear it. People need to hear it. You don't need to be ashamed because I fought it for years. The shame and the guilt of my past not realizing that my testimony was powerful. Why do I recognize that? Because my life was such a train wreck.
so I, I, I began to I began to have conversations around my, my job the last few days. And, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting that when, uh, maybe that's why my ribs hurt so much and my back, because when they find out you're a preacher, they start to box you. And all, all of the hell comes out against you. And they began to ask questions. In fact, one day, I had an honest young man that said, I have some questions I'd like to talk to you about, you know. And then all of a sudden, there was three people having a conversation with me. One of them was a self-proclaimed Catholic, and another one was, uh, you know, uh, had some Baptist roots and and I'm not, I'm not there to trade punches and to throw, throw punches at them. And I, you know, but, but it was interesting that, uh, that those that were proclaiming something uh, sounded like they were just uh, against what I was proclaiming. And I hadn't even started anything. They just knew I was a preacher. And uh, so today I was put in a place where I had to unpack some things like we, we were talking about the other day. Unpacking my testimony once again. And I just begin to, I begin to let some things out. I begin to share with him how my pursuit, the road that I was on, had me headed toward a career that I thought I was going to be a rock star. And I went all in, went all in trying to make it happen. And you know what? It was starting to shape. It was starting to happen. I mean, we were, we were playing shows and we were, we were uh, I was meeting people left and right. When I lived in Tampa, Florida, I was meeting people that were, that were well known in the music industry. And, and we, were, we were practicing at a, uh, we, we had a little band that we were starting and we were practicing in, in, a, in a production facility that had a national touring band. And we were able to go behind the scenes and meet everyone and the production, the guy that that owned the production company would pop in from time to time and he'd open up the door and he'd be like, man, you guys are sounding really good. And so we were playing and we were just, we were doing everything. We, we were like, yes, this is it. We're getting noticed. It was exciting. And then I, I uh, you know, of course, uh, my, my drug use and uh, my irresponsible behavior, I, I, uh, I, had, to, I had to leave. Florida because I couldn't I couldn't sustain my life I couldn't I couldn't keep up with the demands of the rent and the bills and all those things uh, that that don't go away just because you think you're going to be a rock star so working in a restaurant doesn't really uh, help everything when you're trying you know that's not where I want to be I want to want to be jamming out I want to be playing before people and you know, so we come. I come back uh, to, you know, to uh, to Indiana, and I my, you know, uh, it just it didn't work out. Uh, I, I w you know, moved in with my dad, and I was just too I was just too crazy to stay there, 
And so I got, I got moved around until eventually I thought I found, uh, I thought I found a, an anchor. So I began to go into school, and then, and then I met some people, and I, I got into another band. And then we, we, pr- we practiced every Sunday. Every, it was like a religion for us. We practiced. And, uh, and we played, and we, we played shows. We opened up for a, for a national touring band at one point, and, and it was like, all oh, these things are starting to shape. We recorded our first album. Things were beginning to, uh, and I don't know why I was going in such great detail when I was talking to this young man, but, but it occurred to me that they must know what you are willing to walk away from. Does that make sense to anyone? The dreams that you thought your life was going to be, and yet your life took a drastic turn, and they want to know why. After they found out you were willing to walk away from it all, the thing that you pressed for, that you chased after, that you no longer chase after, they need to hear that something happened. Because like the young man that I, that I was talking to, he's a skeptic. And so as I'm, as I'm sitting there letting these things come out, the realization came to me, this is why I'm here. Somebody needs to hear what I am willing to go after because I found it. It doesn't matter if they just think that I'm a preacher. What they really want to find out is why. Why are you a preacher? Why are you a Christian? Can you, can you answer that question with somebody that, that asks you, why are you a Christian? Will you get, what kind of response would you, what kind of response would you give them? Would it be something like, well, that's, that's kind of what I've always uh, believed and my, I grew up this way and this is something, you know, because what they'll, what, what they'll, you'll, find yourself, you'll find yourself in a place where, ah, you've been brainwashed. You've been indoctrinated. Like, no, I chose this path and this is what I forfeited. Yeah. I thought I knew what I wanted my life to look like until Jesus came knocking at the door. I thought I knew what my world was going to look like and how it was going to shape until Jesus came and let me know that's not where you are going to find your purpose. So your testimony is powerful. Why? Because it it, it has taken you from who you were becoming in your flesh to who God is shaping you to be in the spirit. They need to see that. You know what's powerful? When somebody can see the before and after. You know, so what I'll do is I'll send somebody to who I used to be. I'll send them to see a picture. I'll send them to hear. I'll send them to perceive with, they're skeptics. 
So I don't want them to just see that I'm just part of some, some, some blind, leading the blind kind of thing. I want them to see that there is power in the name of Jesus. And there is no other God that can do what he can do. He can absolutely change your life. Some might even say it's human willpower to deny the truth that there is a transforming power at work. How many of you know of somebody that didn't need God to stop doing something? Stop drinking. Stop smoking. I, I, I have met people who said, well, I just quit cold turkey and I didn't need God. And this is, this is the conclusion that I have come to, is people can use their willpower to defeat a thing. But it doesn't transform their life. You might be able to defeat a thing, but it will not change you. It will not change who you are, and it will not change your destiny. It will not satisfy the whole. You might be able to stop cussing and stop drinking and stop going to the bar and stop smoking and stop doing these things, but your life will still be empty. Human will can only get you so far. You might be able to shake a few things off because of willpower, but you cannot change the old man. That comes from tasting. Tasting comes with encounter. Psalm 34 and 8, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusteth in him. Psalm 119 and 103, how sweet are thy words unto my taste. Yea, sweeter than the honey to my mouth. I am persuaded that all this world needs is a taste. And they will realize what we do. They don't need religion. They don't need a, they don't need a preacher uh, to declare himself. They need somebody to lead them to a place where they can taste him for their self. Because when God gets a hold of you and you taste him and how sweet he is and how good he is, it will change your life. You won't want anything else. You will find what you're looking for. I am persuaded that if somebody would just come to the altar and open their life and receive the spirit of God, they would leave and not want anything else. Come on, they'll quit their job if it keeps them out of the church. They'll stop pursuing things that don't matter if it keeps them away from God. Why? Because they have tasted. They have got a hold of it for themselves. And there's nowhere that they can go. When they leave, they can't find it anywhere else. They can, they'll go back to the bar and they'll say, Oh, this is just as empty as I thought it was. Oh, they'll try, listen, they'll try to deny the experience. And they'll go and they might even be 
worse than they were before just so they can say, no, I'm going to prove that there's purpose out here. And oh, the further, for the further down the spiral they go, they'll remember the Lord is good. And I've never tasted anything like him. And that's where I'm going back. You know how that happens? When I open my mouth and testify of what I walked away from because I have had an encounter with God. At first, at first the conversations were overwhelming. I didn't know what to say and what to do. Come on, you know you know how it is. All the naysayers, they come out. How do you know your God is the one, the only oh, the only God? How do you know the Bible's true? It's been written by man. What about science? What about all these things? It just comes out. And then you're just like, oh God, I, I don't know how to answer three people at once. What do I do? What do I do? How do I? And then, and then I get alone, and then I hear the voice that said, now that we have a moment without anybody else, I do have a few questions for you. And then I recognize, oh, God, I don't, I don't, need, to, I don't need to fumble through uh, trying to have a conversation with people that are just uh, just trying to rouse or just trying to stir because I know in the midst uh, there's somebody that wants to taste. There's somebody that wants to taste purpose in their life. And I found it. And I was ignorant. That's why I said I've been learning because I was ignorant. I had no control over the fact that I was in this place working. That's where they sent me. That was the task I had. But there was somebody in there that had questions that God knew where they were. I don't know what's going to happen to this young man, but I can tell you it doesn't matter. As long as I'm obedient, God will work on that individual. God will work in, uh, if I share my testimony, listen, if I share my testimony, he was all ears when I begin to talk about who I used to be. It got his attention. Why? Because life transformation gets people's attention. That's why, that's why nobody, nobody's life has changed because, because Jerry decided to stop dipping. Oh, but when Gary, when, when Jerry walked through, he walked through the halls and began to proclaim, listen, I've tasted, I've tasted and seen the power of God. And he, he not only delivered me from these things, he given me joy. He's given me fulfillment. Verse, 1 Peter 2, 4. To whom coming as unto a living stone, disallowed indeed of men, but chosen of God and precious. You also as lively stones are built up a spiritual house and holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. When he finds you and I, we don't feel so precious, do we? When he came to me, I felt repulsive. Look back at the 
It's like Isaiah when he, when he, when he wrote, uh, his eyes seen the king, uh, the Lord of hosts, woe is me. Uh, I am lost, uh, a man of unclean lips. There I was broken in my sinful, repulsive state. And he said, you are mine. I have come for you. Do you know what that knock is when God comes to us? That knock is saying, I have come for you. You are mine. You are mine. Now, it doesn't seem that way right away to us that we are His. But that's, that's in essence what He's saying. He, he's not reaching for the perfect. He's reaching for the one who is disgusted with who they are. The living stone is calling the dead to life and building a spiritual house, a, a holy priesthood. Oh, how good he is that he would reach for a worthless stone and say, I see worth. I see value. Why? Because you were made in my image and I created you. When we don't see value in ourselves, when we don't see worth in ourselves, Jesus sees worth. Verse 6, Wherefore also it is contained in the Scripture, Behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect, precious, and he that believeth on him shall not be confounded. Unto you, therefore, which believe he is precious, but unto them which he be disobedient, the stone which the builders disallowed, the same as made the head of the corner. Verse 8, and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense, even to them which stumble at the, at the word, being disobedient, whereunto also they were appointed. But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people, that ye should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness, into his marvelous light and so tonight just for a few more moments here I want to I want to give you four points of purpose and that's chosen royal holy peculiar those are four points to purpose these four words give us insight within God's order when he comes to an individual it's to select them that's why we're here tonight, because when he came to us, he said, this is an opportunity. This is an invitation. I am making a selection. I am inviting you. Will you be chosen? It's up to you. The invitation is yours. He didn't have to knock at my door. He could have left me there in that place I was broke, busted, and disgusted. He could have left me there. And I know that you can say the same thing for yourself. He could have left you there, but he came knocking, didn't he? Oh, in one way or another, he came looking. He came knocking at the right time, right when I was at my lowest point. He came knocking and said, I've got an invitation for you. Come on, let's worship the Lord for a second here. 
He came looking for me and giving me an invitation. <laughs> so the first point, the first point to purpose is the selection. It's the invitation. Let me lead you to your purpose. Let me lead you to meaning. Let me lead you to a life where I will open up your understanding. Where I will give you something that the world can't give you. None of us are worthy of what he, he offers us. And that's why we must have compassion on those he is trying to select. And as I, as I sat there, uh, well, it wasn't really sitting there. Because I was laying across bar joists on a two by six. As I laid there in pain, I looked into the eyes of this young man and I saw an invitation. And I thought, who am I? Who am I that God would put me in a place or allow me to get myself in a place? Either way, he led me to this point where I laid across this awkward situation and I seen an invitation in this young man's eyes. Now, I can't make him do anything, but what I can try to do is persuade him. Take the invitation. Take the invitation. Remember what happened to King Grippa? What did he say? Almost. Now, that didn't, that didn't stop Paul. It didn't stop him from trying. I'm going to give the invitation out. That's what the Lord wants to do. He doesn't want to just us to bypass. He wants to present an invitation. And it's up to the individual. Many are called. Few are chosen. Few accept the invitation. And there will be somebody that will say, Oh yes, uh, I've been waiting to hear that life is more than what I wake up to every single day. I begin to, I begin to say things to him like, like why... Why is it that, uh, that people don't believe in God and they don't want to serve God and yet their life is full of suffering and misery? And the relationships that they find themselves in are, man, you hear them. I hear them. I, I, there, ha there hasn't been a job site that I've, that, I've, uh, that I've been on where somebody has not had a, a wrecked home life. Cussing at their spouse and talking about them when they hang up the phone. And you're going to try to tell me uh, that there is not a God because, uh, oh, uh, maybe you haven't heard. Maybe you haven't heard that there is another way, that there is somebody that don't live the way that you do. Oh, maybe they've just find, found themselves in a multitude of people who are the same as they are, and they haven't experienced the fire and the power of a testimony that declares there is another way. Let me show you how to get there. He's trying to select through our testimonies. 
He's calling people to join this chosen generation. It doesn't matter how bad they are, how evil they are, how, how dead they are. It doesn't matter how many tattoos they have and how mean their face is. Listen, I was the same individual when he found me. I was mean. I was full of hate. I was, and when I tell people, they're kind of shocked. You got to be transparent enough to know, listen, I've struggled with this. I've struggled with that. And, uh, oh, but the Lord. I didn't need N-A or A-A. I needed Jesus. I need Jesus' name. I needed his blood to cover me. I needed his spirit to empower me. And let me tell you, that's what will transform your life. All of us were bad when he found us. Some were even bad now. But we don't become royal until we accept the invitation. We're not royal because we're here. We're royal because we accepted an invitation. Because when we were selected, he said, here's an invitation to royalty. He said, I will. I'm royal because I've been adopted into royalty. As part of the priesthood, we must draw, the, we must draw that line between the clean and the unclean. And this, this is where it starts to change our life because we can't just stay as, as royal without drawing a line. When he calls us into royalty, we've got to start drawing the line. Leviticus 10 and 8. And the Lord spake unto Aaron, saying, in verse 9, Do not drink wine nor strong drink, thou nor thy sons with thee, when ye go into the tabernacle of the congregation, lest ye die. It shall be a statue forever throughout your generations. Why? Verse 10. And that ye may put difference between holy and unholy, and between uh, unclean and clean. So what does he do? He calls us into a royal priesthood so we can draw a line and know the difference between what's clean and what's not clean. It's interesting to, that, he, that they used wine and strong drink and then spoke about drawing that line and separating clean and unclean. He called us and he, his will is to transform us into the royal priesthood and as we grow in him becoming holy, we are his peculiar people. His purchased people. If you look up the word peculiar in the original Greek, it, 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 uh, it basically uh, gives us this idea of, of a purchase. His peculiar treasure. Exodus 19 and 5. Now therefore, if ye will obey my voice indeed and keep my covenant, then ye shall be a peculiar treasure unto me above all people, for the, all the earth is mine. Now we know that, that this, God was, he was speaking to Israel. He was speaking to the, to, to the natural, right? But this applies to the spirit. This applies to the spiritual children, right? If I will keep covenant and obey his voice, then I shall be a peculiar treasure to him. 
Deuteronomy 14 and 2. For thou art an holy people unto the Lord thy God, and the Lord hath chosen thee to be a peculiar people unto himself above all the nations that are upon the earth. And uh, Deuteronomy 26 and 18. And the Lord hath avouched thee this day to be his peculiar people, as he hath promised thee, and that thou shouldest keep all his commandments. And Psalm 135 and 4. For the Lord hath chosen Jacob unto himself, and Israel for his peculiar your treasure. Ecclesiastes 2 and 8 I gathered me also silver and gold and the peculiar treasures of the kings and of the provinces I got me singers uh, and women singers and the lights of the sons of men as musical instruments and all that sort uh, and verse uh, uh, Tim, uh, Titus 2 and 14 who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar people zealous of good works why did God give us an invitation because it was call, it was a calling and an invitation to a, a royal priesthood uh, uh, to be a holy nation, a peculiar people. Why? So we can come to church on Sunday and Wednesday. That you should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. How do I show forth his praises? Is my testimony. It's not just what I do in here and how I lift my hands and I return to giving thanks. It's 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 my life is a praise to him through my testimony. He purchased me. I'm no longer my own. But he's given me, he's given me purpose. I've got royalty. I'm a treasure to him. Is there anything else in life as meaningful as knowing that I am a treasure to God? That you are a treasure to God. Let's all stand. How, would, how is the world going to know that there is a worthy invitation that would lead them to experience and meaning and purpose in their life? So if we let that light out, you know that light that we carry around in us? When we step into a dark place and there is a temptation to not speak about Jesus, because of all the things that will come out. Some of us, I think, are silent because, because we're, afraid of, we're afraid of the onslaught of the attack that might come against us. But you know what is powerful about being vulnerable to that attack? Is the way we handle it. 
You know, people want proof. You know what proof is? Not retaliating. When somebody begins to yell at you and say, well, why would God do this? And, and, all, and what you do is, you know what? I can't answer that, but I can tell you God has done it. They want proof. You know how we're going to give them proof? When we tell them, oh, I'll take the blows. I'll take the whipping. I'll take the persecution. Oh, if I can just declare to you that your life can be different. If you just taste and see that the Lord is good, you won't want anything else. So I'll take the beating and I'll take the ridicule if I can show somebody that there is a better way of living. wonder if there's anybody in this place tonight that, that wants to throw your hands up and come running to the master and say that's what I want God I want to be that, that influence I want to be able to weather those attacks and those storms I want to be able to share my testimony and see tears well up in the eyes of whoever it is I'm talking to that they would see that the Lord is good why would God send somebody to hell listen I'm not going to answer that I'm going to tell you what God will do. God will change your life. You'll give him a chance. Let me share to let me share with you the good news of the gospel. This altar's open. Somebody in your life is dependent on your transparency. Jesus.